Hello and welcome back to another Odds Against podcast. Today we're going to take a look at what looks a fantastic week of racing on the Knavesmire as your host at Zebra Meeting. As always, I'm joined by Tom Pearson and James Glover. How are you, gents? Good, thank you. Really looking forward to the week's action. Unfortunately, uh, we can't be there, which is the major disappointment of the week, but I'm, I'm sure it'll make up for it with a quality of action. Yeah, good, thanks. We've had a we've had a couple of weeks off, but we saved ourselves for the big one. Best week of the year, this. James, you won't have missed an Ebor meeting since Franco, will you? Oh, maybe not, actually. No, that was a good one. The crowds were about 10 deep round the round the paddock to try and see him come in. But yeah, that was a cracker, that was. OK, so we're going to run through the major races of each day, starting with the flagship race of each day first. Just to let you know, we're going to be doing a, a weekend podcast separately, so um, we won't be touching on the Ebor or Saturday's races, as there wasn't any entries out when we were previewing it yeah, yesterday. Um, so we're going to start off first with the Judmont International Stakes, the big group one of the week. It looks a cracker this year. Um, and James, we'll start with you. Uh, are you excited for the Gaff? And do you think he can bring his A game this time? You know, uh, he's, he's still not convinced me. I still think at the price that he is, what is he? He's getting on to even money. 11 to 4, 5 to 8. He's still, I think he still could throw in a shocker here and there. Um, so from a betting point of view, Gaeth's not for me. I initially looked at the race and thought we'd have eight plus runners. So I'd found myself an each way bet. And I thought about having a little bet on Aspitar. Um, I think I might still have a little bet on him, but only a small interest bet win only. Uh, Roger Charlton's horses are running really well at the minute. Aspitar put a, up a career best last time over course and distance. And I think he's just started to get the get his shit together, really, and get the hang of things. <laughs> now, he's he's just like Isaiah Al-Kazim, who I don't think actually won a Group 1 until he was five years old himself. Aspatar's probably an improving five-year-old, and I think just a small each-way bet, he's, uh, win bet, sorry, it's 16 to 1 just for a bit of interest. Cause I think he could maybe spring a bit of a surprise. But as you say, it's a cracking race. Um Gaeth's worthy favourite, but just he might throw a bit of a, sh- a shocker in there. Um, you've got the three-year-olds, the likes of Kamiko uh, for Qatar Racing, who I've heard that uh, Richard Masters takes the ride on Kamiko. <laughs> He's sure to um, suffer a bit more interference in running, like he did at Goodwood, maybe from being sports. Um and I could see him maybe tailed off in the end, maybe still be running in 17 weeks' time. Um, but back to the back to the selection, it's a small bet on Aspatar. Just for the listeners' clarity, the, the Odds Against podcast do not support the views of uh, all members on the podcast when it comes <laughs> to footballing matters, um, but we will move on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, especially Tom, uh, can't, I can't imagine that you're too in too much in favour with uh, for Newcastle fans, uh, given your Sunderland roots. Um, Tom, what, what about you? Are you happy to take Gaeth on, or do you think he's uh, going to get the job done today, uh, this week? Uh, it, it's a bit of a tricky one because I, I was quite against him in the eclipse because I, I just assumed he was going to bounce like he always has done. 
But um, maybe now he's, uh, as James so eloquently put it, uh, maybe he has got his shit together rather than Aspatar. I think the issue with Aspatar is he's going to need everyone bar Rose of Kildare to underperform to win it. Um, I'm kind of in agreement with with James that Gaiath probably is that little bit too short to be betting. If if maybe he was towards the 7-4-15 mark, then... He, he might become a bet. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think it is much of a betting race. I think if you ask me to pick the winner, I, I probably would side with Kamako just because he's not going to hit that looking... Uh, he's not going to be as unlucky in running because, obviously, it's such a small field. Um, I, I've always thought that 10 furlongs was going to be his best trip. How, how he's going to cope with the ground, I don't know. But um, it, it would be foolish to rule Magical out as well, so... Yeah, it's definitely a no bet race for me. I couldn't have Aspital on my mind. But um, I'd rather Aspital win than Newcastle get taken over. So There we go. You've heard it here first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I must say, it's a very intriguing race, isn't it? Because you've got three horses that are around about that 4-1 to one mark. And you can make a very strong case for either of them. Uh, Lord North was so impressive at Royal Ascot. And I actually thought he might have been sort of second favourite here. And I do wonder whether it's maybe just because because Frankie isn't riding that he's maybe a slight. I think he's maybe a slightly bigger price than he would have been uh, elsewhere otherwise. Um, but to be honest, I, I'm, I think the only one I'm going to have a, a very very small bet on will be Rose of Kill there, and that'll oh, make <laughs> honestly it's going to be 100 percent just because I, it does the racing Twitter meltdown if she just to run well and win and follow in the footsteps of um, oh, what was the mayor that, that beat Arabian, Arabian Queen. Queen Arabian Queen that beat Golden Horn a few years ago and everyone went absolutely mad so yeah I might have a couple of quid on her just just for uh, just for some personal potential satisfaction if she uh, was to cause a massive upset but um, yeah it's going to be I think it's going to be a really exciting race um, and uh, tactically it's going to be quite interesting because obviously Gayaf set such a strong even gallop throughout it's going to really test Kamiko's stamina. It's going to really test whether Lord North's Ascot run was as impressive as it looked. So I'm really looking forward to it. Just okay. for clarity, Rose of Kildare isn't your actual selection, is she? Well, That's just an enjoyment bet. It is just an enjoyment bet. Like literally, I'm just talking a couple of quid at 100 to 1. I'm not talking uh, getting <laughs> stuck in. Um, I, I don't think I'd be having this sort of a, a main selection in the race because I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it. So moving on to the Yorkshire Oaks, um, and Love obviously sets a very high standard here, being a dual classic winner. She's already scared off Enable. Um, <laughs> no digs there. But um, Tom, we'll start with you on this occasion. What's your view on the Yorkshire Oaks? Uh, she just wins, doesn't she? It, it doesn't matter how far. It's it's a bit of a strange one because in in a normal year I, I would. I'd actually be quite excited because I, I do quite like a lot of the fillies that are running. Um, the likes of Franconia. Um, yeah, I, I thought I thought it was quite a good race. Like, like I say, Franconia, Manuela de Vega, you've got a Lancashire Oaks winner in there. Alpinista was very impressive the other day. Frankly, Darling was uh, third in the Oaks. Uh, One Voice was very unlucky in the NASA when just getting... Uh, just getting caught or out of battle, should I say, by Fancy Blue. But I, I just can't see, for all that they are good fillies, I just can't see any of them getting anywhere near Love. I think Love is going to need to run a good £10 below best for it to get beat. 
I just think it, at four to nine, that that's almost a good price. I mean, I'd never back anything at four to nine, but if you are in that way inclined, you like your Akers, I think she'd be a good boost for them. James, do you share Tom's opinion on love being a certainty here? Kind of. My only sort of question is that she's not going to be 100% here, is she? Because it's well known that Aidan O'Brien likes to sort of give them a, a rest after their classic races and then sort of slowly bring them back for an autumn campaign. So a, a main target is going to be the arc. She's not going to be 100%. So that might be my only slight worry. The one that I do fancy for a bit of a reverse forecast is One Voice. Um, I thought she was really, really good in the Nassau. Um, she got stuck in a bit of a, a pocket a long way there. And then when she got out, she really stuck it up to Fancy Blue. I think it's a really nice horse. They pulled well clear of Nazif, who's useful. Um, the step up a further two furlongs will suit. So I don't think it's as easy as easy as you think so i'd go for a reverse forecast love and one voice very interesting and that kind of brings me on to what i was going to mention about the race is that um it's just worth noting that there has been quite a few upsets in recent years and so obviously recently fapes have done quite well but that's mainly due to enable she's won two of the last three um as favorite but before that the likes of found covert love to at one to four in 2014 and the fugue in 2012 were all turned over as very short price favorites in this race um so it has caused a number of fairly high profile upsets um so like you james i actually quite like one voice as well so i was thinking about backing her each way as well as an improving filly was found actually favorite i, I seem to recall they really got stuck into seventh heaven that day or uh, was it just that they went off a similar price Found was favourite, yeah. Okay. I'm not sure what the differential was, but yeah, she was she was beaten favourite in the race. I, I just remember backing her and remember the drift and thinking, oh well, at least I know before the off that my money's done. <laughs> I think the one that stands out is obviously Tagarudo at one to four was the the big the big mm. shot. Yeah, tapestry. Uh, tapestry, yeah. So I did wonder whether we might have a similar situation here, but I mean on all known form love does set a very high standard, doesn't she? So, but I'm not an odds-on better myself, so I'll go for one voice each way. Um, is there anything else anyone wants to add to the Yorkshire Oaks? No. No, not really, no. Okay, so we're going to move on to the Nunthorpe. Um, slightly disappointing at this early stage, there's only, well, nine entries now for the race, um, with Golden Pal having come out uh, today. Uh, Tom? Have you got any strong thoughts on the Nunfort? There's a couple in here that I know you've liked in the past for years at York. <laughs> no, um, I, I, again, it was just really difficult to see Batash being beat. It, it's, I think it's a lot, it's not as clear cut as love. If, if you said our luck is, which of the two are you going to call your banker? I think love is a lot clearer because um, you, you've got the likes of Batash, uh, sorry, Batash. Batash isn't going to beat Batash. Um, Art he could do. Still, he could do. Well, anyway, yeah, yeah he, actually, he, actually, he, he is the best chance of beating yeah. Batash. <laughs> but I, I think he's just a different horse this year without the crowds, isn't he? Uh, I think it, a lot of people are saying, oh, he settles a lot better. But yeah, I, I think the fact that all of his races have been behind closed doors, there's literally limited. There's there's not even any dogs that can work him up at the start this year. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how our, 
how art power gets on because he is still really unexposed uh, and he, he's obviously not really been challenged at the top level. He gave Milile a good beating and um, I know she was really disappointing last time, but she did boost the form the time after that, at uh, the time before that. Sorry, uh, I, I wouldn't be again. I wouldn't be looking to have a bet because I do think that Patash will win. But what I will say is it's it's just really good to see the North being properly re- represented in one of these big group ones. You've got Art Power for Tim Easterby, Keo Moro for Michael Dodds and Mosgill for James Bethel. So it's not, yeah, I, I think it's just really good to see those trainers being represented at the top level in, in what is actually a proper group one. None of these Mickey Mouse group ones like the Tatsol's Gold Cup or anything like that. Which is a very unnecessary dig, I'm aware. But... <laughs> I was, I was going to say, that's just come out completely out of nowhere. I like it. James, have you got any more shit that you want to throw the Tattersall's Gold Cup way before you <laughs> done thought, or... No, no, stick, we'll stick to the Dunthorpe. <laughs> I think it's this consistency thing, a bit like how we touched on with Gaya, but I think Batash is more consistent now. Um, everyone thought, oh, he doesn't suit York, this and that. But last year in the Nunthorpe, didn't he beat Dejo's track record? And he was absolutely spectacular when you're watching up from the, the Nunthorpe suite up there. That was such a good performance. Um, however, he's what? Two's on. So we're going to find something to beat him. <laughs> and I think we might have mentioned this horse on every single podcast that we've done so far. And you can guess it, it's Moss Gill. I think at 25 to 1, maybe even get bigger on a day, I'm not sure. He's worth an each way shout. Um, this, this course and distance form over the sprint trip at York is, is, is key. Loads and loads of horses that can go from handicaps to group races at York. You've got the likes of, was it Hamish McGonagall about... How many years ago? Was it six years ago when the, the symphony stakes over five and then maybe a year later placed in the in the Nunthorpe at 66 to one? Um, so this course and distance form is absolutely key. I think most skills are worth an each way bet at 25s in case Patash does beat Patash. And uh, along them lines, of course, uh, certain Alpha Delphini worked his way up from handicap company to uh, winning the race a couple of years ago at a big price. Um, so I like that. I like that way of thinking. Um, t- to me, I-, I think I'm going to chance Art Power. I know he's he's obviously second favourite, but he's he's gone from strength to strength. And to me, I think he just looked the real deal. Um, there's obviously there's been a little bit of rain about, so the ground's not going to be too quick for him. Because um, I think if it had been proper quick ground over five furlongs at York, I think that maybe would have counted against him. But it doesn't look like it's going to be that. Um, and if it does get sort of proper soft, which I, I don't think it will do, but um, he's already shown that he can handle a bit of uh, easing the ground, um, being by Dark Angel. And like you said, James, I would not rule anyone out if they fancy him maybe a couple of quid each way on Moscow or Kamoro. Obviously, Kamoro, Michael Dodds has got an excellent record with his fillies in the race. Um, it's maybe I, I think it would maybe be a bit of a step too far from her, but she's always been very highly regarded. But um, yeah, Moscow each way, he does make a bit of appeal to me as well. So I think you could be onto one there, James. Yeah, I mean, the, we haven't touched on the weather forecast, but it, it does look like there could be a bit of rain over Tuesday and Wednesday, but then it might get a bit drier Thursday, Friday. But then again, the forecast's been absolutely shite recently. So yeah, who knows. 
Okay, so that's the, the sort of the main feature races that we've, we've covered. So we're going to move on to um, Wednesday's sort of couple of supporting races. And the race that we're going to start off with is the Voltager, the 12 furlong group two for three-year-olds, uh, usually seen as being a key St. Ledger trial and looks quite a strong, uh, strong race in terms of the depth of the runners on offer here. Um, short price, fairly short price on exposed favourite. Tom, are you with Durain or are you against him? Uh, well, he's not favourite anymore, is he? Um, oh, is he Mortals, not? The new favourite oh. at about seven to four. But um, yeah, I, I, I initially did my notes last night, and uh, obviously that was pre-declarations. I said, "Oh, look, Duran looks a really shocking, short price to me." Um, he's not favourite anymore, but I, I still think at three to one, he's an awful price. Um, he, he, I just don't. He's not beaten anything. I, I, I think he's priced up very much on. Um, price tag pedigree isn't he his reputation rather than what he's actually achieved on the track um i, I thought that uh, when i did my notes last night i thought that morgul should be favorite whether i'd be backing him now at seven to four or not i, I probably wouldn't to be honest because uh, i think he's just he's just a little bit slow isn't he um I, i'm not I, sure I, uh, I don't like him at all i, I think he's vastly overrated yeah I, I think i think he probably is the most likely winner for me I definitely, there's just something about him at the price that I want to take on. Uh, one that I wasn't expecting to be running was Roberto Escobar um, for William Haggis. Now, he was really, really impressive last time at, uh, at York over 10 furlongs. He, he slammed a good, uh, he slammed a, a few 80, 90 rated horses. And um, yeah, I, I, again, I think he's probably a bit too short to be back in at 7-1. to one. Because again, he is just a novice winner. So um, yeah, I, I I couldn't really look to have a bet. If if there is if there is a bet in there, I think the one that's overpriced would be Pile Driver. Um, despite his three pound penalty, I think uh, it's very easy to forget just how impressive he was actually at Ascot. And uh, obviously, more goals getting fitter now. Whether he'll confirm that form um, remains to be seen. But I I don't think he deserves to be eleven to one. I think uh, I think he could be a value loser, to be honest. I'd probably have him at about seven to one myself, but yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be keen on actually backing him. James, are you keen to take Mogul and Durain on? Uh, Durain, yes, not keen to take Mogul on. Um, he should win. He's just physically a completely different horse to what he was at the start of the season. He's found that personal trainer that Tom said he was was after he's lost all that weight look just looks <laughs> completely different now um a bit like his brother japan and i think he'll just go on from here the it's i don't think it's the best field in the world really um but it's it's not it's not a betting race for me but i do think mogul will win okay um i just I, Mogul to me just looks so slow. Like even at, I know he won at Goodwood the other day, but I just it didn't didn't tick any didn't give me any tingles anywhere put it that way. Do any uh, do any of these horses <laughs> look quick enough? Quick to you though? Well, the two uh, two I like are actually the two that sort of Tom's already mentioned as well. We should Roberto Escobar. He's only had the two runs and he's obviously stepping up from ten to twelve furlongs. Um, he was very very strong in the finish at York the last half of furlong. He just absolutely started pouring it on so i think up to 12 furlongs he's interesting but he has shortened up slightly uh since declarations he's now seven to one as tom said 
Um, I, was, I thought it might have been more of a sort of nine to one, ten to one sort of price initially. Um, the, the main issue I've got with Durain is it's not even just the fact that he's not really beaten very much. He, he's raced very keenly and he's stepping up in trip. And I'm, I'm not, I don't think he's guaranteed to settle well enough to see it out. I don't think in this better company. Um, and like Tom said, I think pile driver, nothing went right for him. Actually, you can basically put a line for his Derby run. And if you did that, then all of a sudden he, he really shouldn't be an 11 to one shot. He should be at least, well, in my opinion, he should be sort of second favorite by mogul. Really. Um, yeah. he's, he's definitely got the best form apart from potentially Mogul's win at Goodwood. Um, Subjectivist is obviously an improver as well, though I don't think he'll be quite up to this. So if uh, I think I'll side with Piledriver at 11-1. to 1. You've got your eight eight runners as well. They'll probably be one that comes out though, won't they? Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably Mogul's arena will probably refuse to enter the stalls and whack us over a massive rule four in the, the loss of the way place. Um, no, so yeah. Power driver each way for me. Okay, so we're going to move on then to the the other supporting race on the on the first day, which is the Acom for two year olds. Um, been a bit hit and miss with some of the winners in this recently. Some of them have gone on, some of them not so much. Uh, James, we'll start with you this time. Is there anything that's taken your fancy in the Acom stakes? Well, I'm actually really interested in one here because I thought he was going to go to the Convivial Maiden. And that's spy catcher for Carl Burke. He's the outsider of the field. If you watch his debut at red car, he basically lost his lost his chance at the start, nearly un- unseated Ben Curtis coming out of the stalls. Um, so and then he he, tra- he travelled nicely through the race to there, and then finished fourth in the end. These front four in the field um, finished well clear of, of the fifth, and the other three in that front four were prominent prominently racing throughout so i think it was quite a big effort from from spy catcher to to finish so close uh to the to the winners there um and the fact that he's going for this rather than the convivial maiden says they think a lot of him he was only 11 to 2 on debut and there were some quite big yards represented in that red car race the winner was dascom horse was a farhi horse in the top four a haggis horse um so i think if you watch that red car race, he did. He lost it all completely at the start. Did well to make up the ground and finish so close. So uh, again, you've got your eight runners, and you might get bigger on the day. What is he? He's twenty-eight to one. I, I quite like him each way. The only other one I thought was a big price is Praise of Shadows for Marco Botti. That horse sort of missed the kick at Chester a little bit, but soon uh, got to within the leaders. Powered on clear, absolutely blitzed them. Um, he's by exceeding XL though, so you'd have thought when he kicked quick round, he got a Chester. Um, he's interesting as well, and quite a big price at 12s you can get. Um, so a couple there at the bigger prices took my took my eye. I, I like I like your your pick on uh, Spycatch there. It's interesting that they're willing to run a maiden, obviously in in a group race when they do have that very valuable maiden they could have gone for. So that's a it's definitely a good shout there. Um, Tom, is there anything catching your eye in the Aiken? Uh, if I'm being honest, no. I, I, I kind of am keen on one, and that's uh, Titan Rock for John Quinn. There are two major concerns with Titan Rock, though. Uh, number one is that the John Quinn yard uh, haven't had a winner in God knows how long. It, it feels like forever. Um, I know that because I've backed a couple of them. Um, the, the second would be that um, after the race, it was either John or Sean Quinn, I can't remember which one, 
They said um, at Goodwood when he won uh, that they seem to think he'd be better suited by the better ground because it was good to firm that day at Goodwood, which um, given he's by Bellardo, I was a little bit confused by. But um, yeah, I, I was really impressed by his debut. Um, that, that race was quite a good race. Um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the time gurus said that that race that he was fourth on debut at Haydock was quite good. And um, yeah, he, he settled well off the pace and made good late headway without ever really challenging the leaders. I think uh, that the experience did him the world of good, and I think that was quite a good uh, Goodwood made, and it usually is. And uh, obviously, for, for John Quinn to send a novice down to Goodwood would suggest that he is quite good. Um, yeah, but Bellardo's obviously proven to be quite a good first season sire as well. I think uh, his progeny are about 25% this year, and that's just all runs, rather than um, 25% runners to winners ratio. I think it's 25% uh, runners to runs ratio. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But that, that is quite impressive. And I, obviously, yeah, that's a really good start. Um, I, I think this is a really weak race. I'd, I'd have to take Cloudbridge on. I, I could not be backing a Leicester winner for a group race at York. I, I just couldn't do it at 13 to 8. I thought uh, Darvell was probably um, was probably going to be the best horse in the race, but I thought he maybe had a bit more of a sprinting pedigree rather than a six furlong uh, rather than a seven furlong horse. So um, yeah, at 11 to 1, despite uh, I, I'm going to hope that I know better than John or Sean Quinn and hope that. Uh, Titan Rock will go on the ground if it does turn soft at about 11 to 1. Uh, I, I can answer your query about the ground there, Tom, for you, and why the confusion, if you'd like me to. Yes. Uh, trainers often talk shite. Yes, of course. Especially when it comes to ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just ground, um, fucking everything. <laughs> um, What's a time yeah. guru as well? You are. What's a time guru? Is he just one of those greasy nerds who sits in the bedroom all day, fucking on the exchange in the pants? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, those uh, those greasy nerds, as you call them, <laughs> may, may, are far more successful at betting than any of us. Well, so yeah. uh, if if if, uh, if if that's the way you want to play it, then yes. But I, I would love to be one of those greasy nerds sat in the bedroom making as much money as the Duke. Again, another strong. Well, sit, sitting is the only thing they're going to do in the bedroom. I, I think we just need to move on. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, you're going to get us in trouble there, James. Right. Uh, well, well, more importantly, I've been trying to, uh, I've been trying to learn a bit more about timings and sectionals while I've been uh, working from home. So <laughs> well, there's a surprise. <laughs> I've been doing mine on the couch, so that's okay. Ah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Right, I'm going to move on to my selection for the race. Oh yeah, um, just uh, just before we get ourselves into any further trouble, uh, frankly. Um, similar to you guys, I, I was quite keen to take Cloudbridge on, just uh, more just due to his pedigree. He, you know, he's very American bred. I, I just don't particularly like American runners on turf in the UK. I, um, I often think that, especially when they run on quick ground, they can often put up a really impressive performance and then not really follow it up again. Um, so I'd be quite happy to take him on. Um, and the one that I actually quite liked was Gear Up, but his price has absolutely collapsed since the entries have uh, have uh, shored up. Um, I think about... everything has though, hasn't it? Yeah. It's just because Fevrova was about nine to four, five to two. Oh, so. okay, yeah, I suppose yeah. Um, he's only about five to one, so I'm not as keen. But I think he probably still would be my selection. 
he won a course and distance your uh, novice race. Um, it was only a novice auction race, which they, they can be slightly weaker. But um, I thought what was quite interesting is that given that the yards horses and two year old novices usually got a very short price, he went up 12 to one. He was quite green in the race and it kind of looked like not much was expected of him, but he did show a really good attitude and sort of got the hang of things late on and won quite impressively. Um, and it kind of reminded me of a similar winner of the race um, a few years ago in Wells Fargo, where he sort of had this similar sort of York prep. Um, looks like he'll stay a lot further next year. Um, and I thought he was quite an interesting one uh, for the race. Uh, so that's gear up for Mark Johnston. Unfortunately, Sylvester D'Souza's book, who I'm not a massive fan of. But other than that, um, I quite like him. I was waiting until the end to say you are handicapped by D'Souza in a group race. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll, we'll add Sylvester to the list of people who can be offended by this podcast. The, the ever-growing list as we go on <laughs> race by race. Dubai World Cup winner. He is a Dubai World Cup winner, yeah. Yep. Anyway, so moving on to the next day. So the second second day in the, the couple of races we're going to look at here. The first one is going to be the Lowther Stakes, um, Group 2 for two-year-old fillies over six furlongs. And Tom, we'll start with you. Have you got any keen fancies for the uh, for this race? Uh, no, you, you're going to get sick of coming to me, to be honest, because, uh, again, I quite like the favourite. I think that the only thing that's going to beat Sacred here is the ground, uh, because she is by Exceed and Excel. So a lot is going to depend on how much the ground dries out if if it does actually get soft by Thursday. But her form is just far superior to anything in the race. That's second in the Queen Mary to uh, Campanel. I, I think Campanel's got an excellent chance in the morning on uh, the pre-morning on Sunday. And uh, yeah, I, I think a reproduction of that form should be far far good enough for anything in this race. And um, if if she doesn't like the ground. Um, if if you were looking for an each way player, then you you could do worse than a scummy each way on Santosha at five to one, because she probably will handle Grant and and she's another who just brings a uh, really good form into the race. It, it it's a race where usually I'd try and look for something a bit more unexposed uh, coming straight out of novice company, because the, these fillies can just improve out of nowhere. But um, for for me, I just thought that yeah, the the two at the top of the market, their form was far superior to anything else okay james do you have any strong fancies for the lowther i do but i'm not sure if this horse goes to the lowther or the listed race on saturday now wherever she goes i'll back her um this horse is called uncle thumb of richard Farhees. um she ran on debut at thirsk and was really really green um one of the most, probably one of the most promising maiden winners I've seen at first, to be honest, because she was kind of, she was, she was really green throughout and was behind a long way, and you don't really see maiden winners at first coming from so far back to to burst through at the end and really hit the line running. Um, that form is is not bad form actually. The thirst the thirst run. Um, Bedford Flyer came second again at thirst behind a Richard Hannon hot pot. And I think the Paul Midgley horse in fourth won. Where did she win? She won at Ponty the other day. Was it this week? End of last end of last week, maybe. Um, so the so the form form looks reasonable. And I was just so impressed at how she 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 hit the line there. Um, so 
if she goes if she goes for the Lowther, um, I'll back her. She, you, you can get twenty to one. I'm, actually, I'm lying. I've already backed her for the Lowther. <laughs> I backed her today at, at twenty to one. So I'm gonna be gutted if she doesn't go. Uh, she's not jocked up, which is a bit concerning. Um, so I hope she goes for this. But if not, then I'm gonna back her for the race on Saturday. Uncle. Yeah. Thought. I'm pretty sure. I think I read somewhere today that they was they did mention a lot of them, but I don't know whether that was just somebody. I don't know whether there was actually connections that said that, or whether it was just sort of um, subjective. So don't take that I on think page. Richard Farr, he likes to roll the dice at Ebor meeting, doesn't he? he? He loves the Jim Crack and the loud first. Yeah, words. I'd be fairly confident she'll turn up if she's entered at this stage. Go on, Dicky. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the race that. I, I've not got a massive, I've not got a really strong opinion on, uh, but similar to you guys, I, I've, I've been quite keen to take Sacred on, but I'm just not really sure what with, because um, I'm just, she showed so much early precocious sort of speed in her first couple of runs over five furlongs. She's obviously going up to six furlongs. It's going to be slightly slower ground. Um, so that would be a concern for me. Um, I do like Halla, Halla, Halla. Uh, she's a very consistent filly, but 11 to 2, I'm not sure that she's. I'm really confident enough to get stuck into her as a win bet. Um, the one that I do like from an each way perspective is Scarlet Bear. Um, she ran in the Queen Mary as well. She was um, very eye catching in the final stages of the Queen Mary, having been quite badly outpaced early on. Um, she st- stayed on very, very strongly that day in the final furlong. She'd also David over six furlongs the time before that. Um, so it was, I'd, I'd be very confident the step back to six films today will suit her quite well. Um, and she, to me, at 20 to 1, she's not got a lot to find um, to, to catch the sort of the leaders here. And yeah, I thought she'd be worth chancing her from each way perspective. So we're going to move on to the sales race. And last year we saw an absolute freak performance. I suspect we're not going to see one quite like that this year. But James, have you got anything that's catch, standing out to you in the sales race that you like to look off? Um, I usually look for a trainer here, and that trainer is last year's winner, Richard Hannon. He usually sends sends a smart one. Um, Kevin Ryan also sends a smart one now and again. He had Hey Jonesy go close a few years ago. And I'm actually going to go with one of Kevin Ryan's um, if he runs. Uh, and that is Uncle Jumbo. Um, Uncle Jumbo beat a good yardstick in significantly on debut. They were they were clear of the third, closely related to Major Jumbo. Um, so unexposed. And Kevin Ryan likes to send one here. Um, so it'll be Uncle Jumbo for me, and you can still get fourteen to one. Yeah, uh, he's, he's one I like to sort of fair. The only thing that's slightly concerned me is just maybe his lack of experience because it, it was only a four yeah. in a race, wasn't it? He won, so that's the only thing that slightly put me off. But I do like him. He looks like a really nice horse to keep on side in the future. Um, Tom, have you got any any thoughts on the sales race? Yeah, I, I thought this was a bloody pain in the ass to be honest, because <laughs> there was one there was one that I really liked, but uh, I, I think that Devious Company. He just brings such good form into the race that I'm not mad keen on taking him on because he's been second both times to to the two most exciting two-year-olds we've seen this year. Although uh, uh, James might prefer Chinda in there, but uh, 
yeah, Battleground and Master of the Seas both been incredibly impressive and devious companies to chase both of them home. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be mad keen on taking them on, but I think there is one that I do like at an each way price, and I, I'm probably just going to have to back him anyway. Um, it's Kevin Ryan's other one, um, Tinocchio. So like James said, um, yeah, that this is very much a target race. In the last 10 years, you've had three Richard Hannon winners, three uh, William Haggis winners, and two Kevin Ryan winners. Now, oh. admit, admittedly, Kevin Ryan hasn't won it since I think it was 2012 with Bogart. But um, yeah, like, like James touched upon, he did send out Hay Jonesy to be a desperately unlucky second as well. So yeah, it, I'm, it, it's a race that he does target. And if you just watch Tinocchio's winning the super sprint back, he, he was just desperately unlucky that day. He was drawn completely the wrong side. All of the all of the action that day unfolded from the high numbers, and he was drawn in. I, I can't remember whether it was stall one or three because for some reason I've accidentally deleted it. Um, but it, it was definitely low. Um, he he missed the break, but then he absolutely rattled home. He rattled home for fourth. Um, against the track bias um, he, his novice form's working out really well um, he, he beat a horse called Burning Cash of Paul Midgley's who won really really well at Chepstow the next time um, he, he was running on over that five furlongs in the super sprint so the step up to six should suit him and um, yeah I, I think he can get 11 to 1 with Skybet but maybe 8 or 9 to 1 general uh, I'd chance I'd give him that each way chance just in case Devious Company doesn't fire. But I do think that Devious Company is a, a very fair five to two favourite. And I can see him going off six to four. Uh, it's not very often you get these 107, 110 kind of horses that that run in these races. I think the last one that I can remember was uh, Tazleet. And uh, yeah, Tazleet duly did the business. But yeah, I suppose you've got most of the things that can beat him in here are, are going to be your luck in running. So whether you want to take five to two or whether you'd rather take the each way choice, I, I'd go for the each way personally. I'm, I'm hoping you might get bigger on the day because uh, obviously anti-post markets are not not the strongest. You do tend to get, um, you'll, you'll definitely get four or five places on the day. So I'd much rather wait and maybe take a smaller price on the day for the extra places. But yeah, if if Tinocchio touches tens, I think that's a really good each way bet. Okay, um, I think like yeah, I think I'm, I was sort of looking down the each way angle because especially in these sort of sales races, they do occasionally throw up sort of funny results and horses that look well in don't often sometimes do seem to underperform um, for no real reason. Um, so there's there's well there's actually three that I picked out originally that I like the look of but one of them line of departure has actually been entered in the nursery on the first day so I sus- so I suspect he's going to be going there and not here um, so I put a line through him so the two that I'm actually going to go for each way uh, one of them I was very confident on here for a gr- uh, for a good race a few weeks ago and he did not run very well <laughs> and that was crack and power um, but he, he he really impressed me on his first two starts and I mean he ran an absolute shocker at Newbury like. That it was a poor run um but then at goodwood last time he, he got so much interference all the way through the race he almost got put through the rail twice in running um and i just put a line for it completely and he i still think he's a really nice horse i think a strong run six furlongs where hopefully he'll get a bit of cover uh, he's, you know he's, he's going to be a big price he's probably going to get the extra places and i think he's a nice horse and i'd, I'd want to keep him on side um 
and the other one that I actually really liked, I was quite surprised at the sort of price he was. I thought he might be a bit shorter. There's a horse called Apre Dark for Marco Botti. Um, he was quite green on his debut, but he showed a fair bit of ability to win um, at Newmarket over six furlongs. Um, and I do think that the yards horses tend to be fairly smart when they win on debut. Um, he's not exactly a trainer known for having them proper revved up beforehand. Um, he was then went to Wolverhampton. Um, he was carrying a slight penalty because he had a five pound claimer on. But he was he was he was given far too much to do. He was he was held up and he he just got nowhere near, near involved in the race. Um, he stayed on at the end. The winner that day, despite it being at Wolverhampton, is actually entered in the dream crack. So they obviously think the winner is fairly useful. Um, so it may not have been too bad a run in hindsight. And I, I think he's one that I'd, I'd like to keep on side as well at a big price. That's a crack and power and after dark for me. Mm. Okay, so uh, moving on to the Friday and the couple of supporting races here. Um, the first one that we're going to look at is the, is the Lonsdale. Um a race that I was initially convinced was going to be really difficult to look at because I thought nearly every single horse here would be entered in the Evo. Turns out they're not. <laughs> so I look, I look like a bit of an idiot now thinking that. Um, but we'll start with you, uh, James, this time. Uh, is there, have you got any strong views on the Lonsdale? No, I uh, won't be having a bet. Um, if, if you force me to, be Nayef Road, two miles on good grounds, what he wants. That run last time, getting to a length of Stradivarius, is probably better than anything else in the field could achieve. Um, so it'd be Nayef Road for me. Okay. James, uh, oh, sorry. Tom, uh, do you agree with James there? Uh, I kind of do. I, th- I think he probably is the best horse in the race, but I think there's a possibility that he's just having a bit too. Uh, he's just having a bit too tough a season, maybe. So Johnson's having too tough a season. Well, yeah, he has had a couple of tough races by now, hasn't he? Uh, I, I think a lot of it is going to depend whether the ground dries out by the weekend, because I'd struggle, I'd fancy Enbihar to see off, uh, to see off Neaf Road if if she runs. Whether she does run or not is a different matter. She she's priced up as if she will run. But um, yeah, it's it's not a race I'd look to get involved in at this moment in time. The one that I do think um, will run well, but is almost certainly in the wrong race for me, is Eagles by Day. Uh, I know he's rated, I think it's 111, but I, I'm really shocked he isn't in the Ebo. I think he, he looked tailor-made for the Ebo. But yeah, w- without Stradivarius, this race is just... I say it's disappointing. There's an argument that actually most of the best stairs in the country are actually in the race, bar Stradivarius. But I suppose that's probably more an indictment of the, the current crop of stairs more than anything else. So, yeah, it'd be a no-bet race for me, even on the day. But if it does turn up good ground, I'd fancy NBA hard to get the job done. I think you'd be a touch harsh on the race. Because you've got to bear in mind, it's only Group 2, isn't it? So you're looking at the contenders, I think they're fairly solid group two kind of horses that are turning up here. Um, like you though, I, I honestly thought Eagles by day was going to go for the Evil, especially um, given how high you have to be rated to get in the race these days. I thought it would play to his strength very strongly. Um, I still fancy him to run a good race here, but the one I actually I've sort of siding with is going to be Dashing Weatherby for Andrew Balding. Um, he's been for me surprisingly lightly raced i thought he would have probably turned up to a few more of these sort of uh, cup races by now he's only ran um twice at newmarket over a mile and a half and then at sandown where he saw a spanish mission 
Um, that looks a fairly sort of tidy race for the for a group of three. He's very unexposed at staying in trips. Um, he's obviously won both his starts this year, and and I think he I think he could be the one to take advantage if a horse like Nefro does have a slightly flat run, which you wouldn't be surprised by at some point. He's probably going to have a flat run, given that he does wear his heart on his sleeve every time, and and he has had them big battles against Stradivarius the last twice. Um, so yeah, about four to one. I think I think especially given that MBR's a potentially doubtful runner. Um, I'd, I'd be quite keen on uh, Dash and Motherby. Okay, so we're going to move on to the final race that we're going to preview, um, which is on the Friday as well, which is the Gym Crack. Um, again, another really quality re- uh, contest for juveniles. And Tom, is there anything that's taking your fancy in the Gym Crack? <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't come to me first. Um I, I think that with the exception of the Judmont, this has got the potential to be the race of the week for me because the, there's so many really smart-looking horses. Um, at the top of the market, you've got Supremacy and Tactical. Uh, now, it looks as if ta- uh, sorry, it looks as if Supremacy is actually coming here rather than the morning. Uh, Clive Cox seemed to indicate that Nando Parado would take in the morning um, and he said they wouldn't both go for the morning. So, um, yeah, that... that Looks like Supremacy will be coming here carrying a £3 penalty. He was awesome at Goodwood. The, the time was fantastic. It's not very often you see a sprinting two-year-old uh, get an official rating of 115, which, uh, yeah, it, that that's really impressive. Um, the, the one I would say, tactical, he probably is going to the morning, so I wouldn't be looking at him. But even then, you've got quite a few uh, really impressive novice vic- uh, victors. Um, the one that I was most impressed by was rhythm master for a friend of itv john dance um however it, it looks as if uh, i think the morning is under consideration for him as well um but uh, yeah I, I, i'd really want to see the declarations and the prices on the day before backing anything because even then you've got minzal and devil Walla. they both put up uh, really good performances really good speed finger uh, speed figures for those uh geeks in the bedroom or whatever it was that James said. Time boy, uh, times. Time, time gurus. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, at this stage, I, I'm just looking at the race thinking, Jesus Christ, that looks bloody difficult. Um, yeah, Minzal was another one that caught the eye. Um, he was mega impressive when not coming off the bridle at Salisbury. And I, I think, he, he could be really good. It's not very often you'll see Jim Crowley get off a horse that's won a Salisbury Maiden and say, if all goes to plan, he could be a Commonwealth Cup horse next year. I think that comment's really kind of caught my eye a little bit. But, um, yeah, uh, if if you pushed me into a bet now, I would go with Minzal at 7-1. to one. But, um, yeah, if he's 7-1 to one on the day, I'll be getting stuck in at that. But... Yeah, with with there being doubts about tactical and um, rhythm master, whether he goes to the morning, I think it's it's one worth waiting on. But yeah, a very tentative selection for Minzal at the minute. James, uh, where are you where are you looking then uh, in, for the gym crack? Like Tom said, I, I don't really want to be pinning my hopes on anything just at the minute until there's final decks. I really like Escape Route as a horse. After mentioning him last time at Newmarket, um, but I just don't see potentially a quick ground York suiting him. He didn't. He looked like he got a bit out of pace at Newmarket before staying on again. 
but Richard Farhi does, as Tom said earlier, like rolling the dice. Um, and again, if, if I was to have a bet at this stage, it would be Minzal. Just that, that performance at Salisbury was just really, really good. Knowing Burroughs' horses are going really well as well at the minute. But I'm going to wait uh, and not pin my hopes down on anything just yet. Okay. Um, like you guys, this, uh, you already touched on it. It looks at this stage, it looks very, very open without knowing who's going to turn up. Um, one that one that I would obviously give a bit of a shout out to is you better believe it for Nigel Tinkler. You won't be surprised if this has been maybe been the plan for him for a while now, given how oh, much. Uh, I'm going to stop you here. Uh, he oh, really? said she. He said uh, the Julia Graves sticks on Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's the disappointment. I, I literally I don't know if you heard the little pinging in my air. Uh, I don't know if it shows up, but yeah, so, somebody messaged me saying uh, with a quote. Um, I think he'll probably go for the Roses at York. I would think that would be his next race. So, um, yeah. As long sorry, as sorry. he's not talking shit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just, sorry, I just wanted to interrupt just yeah, before you go into him. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'll, yeah. Save it for Thursday. I see, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> I mean, this, Alternatively, he's currently 8-1 for that race with William Hill. Oh, which really? Is, uh, yeah, so I might have to take that, given his general 72 elsewhere. That does seem very, uh, very fair price, to say the least. Um, in terms of the other runners, like you, you constantly, uh, Minzal was obviously very impressive. I was also impressed with like some Mohawk King, uh, Mystery Smiles, River Master, Roman Dynasty, of all, all lightly raced, all look potentially exciting. So yeah, I'm just going to, similar to you guys, I'll probably wait for the day, see who's actually going to turn up, what the ground's going to be like, and uh, and and take a take a view then. Okay, so we've covered all the races that we're going to preview. Um, so we're going to come on to us of any other business throughout the week. So obviously there's plenty of other handicaps um, and that the, I'm sure the guys have maybe got a selection or two for. Um, so Tom, <laughs> we'll start with you. Um, is there anything in the handicaps that's taken your fancy? When you say a selection or two, you, you've basically handed over to me for a good 10 minutes here. Um, so okay. I've got quite a few. I, th- I think most of, my, uh, most of my fancies were actually in the handicaps. Um, so I'll, I'll start with the first race then. So the first race, the Sky Betting Symphony Group handicap. Shall we do them day um, by day? Yeah, well, why not? So yeah, I've it, got two. I've got two on the first day then. So okay. um, yeah, I, I think a lot of you might follow me on Twitter by now, so you'll have already seen. But I quite like a plum for the uh, Sky Betting Symphony Group handicap. Um, so he's back down to a mark of 93, which is a mark that he was second. Uh, a next second to Tinto at Ascot. Um, Tinto's improved a good £15 on the back of that run, so that form looks quite good. Um, he's ran some solid races this year, first up at Newmarket and then two good races at Ascot. He's not been beaten far at all in any of those races, but he's just came down the handicap pound by pound. Uh, looking at the weather forecast, he's very much uh, he, he very much thrives in a softish ground. I don't think he needs absolutely bottomless ground, but um, yeah, and anything softish is is ideal for him. So the the weather forecasts um, should be ideal for him. Um, yeah, he's well handicapped. Um, he, he's ran really well over five furlongs and six furlongs at Ascot, so I can see this uh, five and a half rapid pace suiting him down to the ground. Obviously, we know that William Haggis really likes his uh, winners at York. And uh, they've booked Tom Marquand, so he should be uh, 
well positioned. He's he's still available at 16s now. Um, given the prices that he's gone off this season, I think he's went off four to one, four to one, and seven to one for some decent handicaps. So I, I can't see 16s lasting all that long. So yeah, I, I took that. You, you're probably going to get bigger places now, but when the rain starts to come, I can see him being really well backed. And uh, the other one on uh, Wednesday then is in the two-mile handicap, uh, the last ITV race. And um, it, the price is a little bit all over at the minute, but you could get, uh, you can get, my odds checker isn't working for the Wednesday for some reason. The last time I checked, you could get 25 to one, five places about Blakeney Point in the uh, two-mile race. Now, this race last year, if you just watch it back and for watch it just from turning for home, he, he hits the front about two and a half furlongs out. And if you just paused it when he hit the front, you would not believe that he managed to come 10th. Uh, how, how he managed to do that is beyond me because he looked like he was going to be the winner. But he just kind of hung across the track and, and then just faded quite tamely. Um, uh, yeah, he, he's won over two miles quite a few times, so he definitely stays the trip. He, he just obviously didn't fancy it that day. Um, obviously, just hit the front too soon as well. Although uh, the second that day, rare groove to be fair to him, battled back really well. But um, he's he's came down quite a few pounds in the handicap. He's down to mark a 94 now, and at his peak, he was winning listed races. He was rated nearly 110, so he's very well handicapped. Uh, he's moved to Donald McCain since. He's only had two runs for Donald, or, uh, both over hurdles. He completely bombed out on his hurdles debut, but they gave him a wind up and gave him some time off. And then uh, I, I can't believe I'm backing a horse on the back of a banger novice hurdle uh, for a big uh, for a big handicap at the Ebor meeting. But he was absolutely punted off the boards that day at banger. I think he opened up about seven to one. And he went off even money. And he just he just bolted up. Um, it looked like the wind up had really improved him, and it by all accounts they knew that the wind up had improved him. Now obviously that's a banger novice hurdle at this time of year isn't going to be the strongest of races you'd think. But um, yeah, if if the wind up brings out about some improvement, I think he's really well handicapped. He's he's five pounds lower than he was uh, this race last year. I, I'd give him a chance at a really big price each way. Yeah, and just looking back for all that he did finish that, he was only beaten five lengths. It wasn't like he was beaten mm. an insurmountable distance. So yeah, that's a very interesting point. Definitely one to to put in the notebook for for the handicap there. Have you got any other selections for the first day? No, just those two for me. Okay, James, what about yourself? Have you got any other selections you want to touch on for the first day? Just one on the Wednesday, the first race, the Skybet and Symphony Group handicap. Um. I'm going to go for hyperfocus. Tim Easterby and David Allen. Um, this horse likes soft ground and usually does most of his running over six furlongs. However, this is a, a slightly extended five furlongs and the way he races, he's not short for a bit of toe. At York last October on soft ground, he was a next second to Gulliver of six pounds higher. Tom's mentioned that great race a couple of weeks back. Um, six pounds lower than that day. David Allen has chosen to ride hype. Well, I assume he's chosen to ride hyperfocus as opposed to last year's Numthorpe fifth Copper Knight. Um, and he's drawn in stall seven. Now I tend to prefer the lower draws on these five furlong sprints at York, especially around the ground soft. 
So I could see him shooting straight out of, of seven on that far side, handy all the way, and just completely galloping them into the ground and winning. Now he's 25 to one with Coral at the minute. I think that's well worth a bet. Um, so hyperfocus is my only other one for Wednesday. Okay, I don't actually have any for Wednesday. I've got a couple for Thursday and Friday, but we'll move on to Thursday. Tom, have you got some selections for Thursday? I think you've got one uh, in the big handicap. Yeah, I, well, I was going to let you go first, given that I just went first there. But um, yeah, I know that you like them as well. So do you want to take them or should I take them? Oh, I can go first if you'd like. Yeah, I was, uh, it's a busker, isn't it? Um, we both think yeah. he's, he, still, he still looks very progressive to me. I think eight furlongs is going to be his ideal trip. Um, he's obviously got strong form winning at Royal Ascot very narrow second in the Bunbury Cup over seven um, and then at Goodwood last time he, he just got absolutely no luck at all in running he, he basically finished on the bridle he's only beaten a few lengths um, and he's around about seven eight to one sort of price and I, I just think that he looks an absolute standout to me um, and then just uh, for me and the other couple that I just want to touch up on the Thursday is in the nursery race Um I've not actually checked the price on these. These are just sort of ones that I think are potentially interesting. Um, but New Mandate went off a very short price on his debut, and he's actually been a fairly short price on both starts where he's shown promise. The winners of each of them races have ran well in the Group 3 on Saturday. Um, so his opening mark of 81 looks potentially very fair. Um, he's obviously been held in high regard. Um, and also in the nursery, I thought Ross Collin looked pretty smart when he won it the third time of asking. And before that, he'd been running into some in some very good novice races as well. Um, and he looked to have taken a real step forward last time. And I think, again, a mark of 85 for him seems fair. So they'd be two that I'd want to keep on side in the nursery. OK, Tom, back to you. Uh, yeah, that, I just had the one that was Sabuska. I've not really got anything to add other than you said. Um, I, I tipped him last night. Uh, um, I, I've had two and a half points on him at eight to one. Uh, I... I've obviously moved the market because there's no eight to one left. Uh, you can only get 15 to two with eight, eight, eight sport. So that means you can't get 15 to two unless <laughs> if you want anything more than two pound 38 on. Have you but, checked um, Coral? I have not because I can't get a bet on with them. So fuck them. <laughs> unless they want to be, unless they be, become sponsors of this podcast, then welcome aboard Coral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I still think sevens is a decent price because I, I can he's always well punted as well, and I can see him going off about maybe four to one seventy two. So yeah, I think anything uh, anything bigger than fives I think is worth taking about Sabuska. Okay, James, have you got any views on the handicaps on uh, Thursday? One on Thursday, I'm going to take you take Sabuska on. I'm not quite sure his running style suits York, and I'm going to go with a horse called Top Rank. I think this this is a group horse for me. I mean, watch that race at Thirst last time. Either of you two lads, probably both of you two lads at the same time could have <laughs> this, and he's still bloody bolting. Um, oh, God, you just got to watch it. Just the way he eased through looked com- completely different class to the rest of the field, and they were, they were quite solid um, class three handicappers. Now, I think this is a, a group horse, simple as that. Um, so I think top rank goes very, very close, if not winning the Clipper Logistics handicap. Got to give a mention to prompting as well, um, who we gave a good shout for off about £10 lower or so at York a few weeks back. 
yeah, yeah. When, when we when we when you said uh, he's got he's going to be winning these uh, big uh, Saturday Class Two handicaps, I don't think we imagined the Goodwood Mile and potentially the Clipper no. literally the, his <laughs> next runs, did we? Then he'd win by half the track, and he pretty much did that. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on prompting, I suppose it's probably worth mentioning. Actually, all week, um, I say all week since the initial entries have been out, uh, Danny Tudup was actually jocked up on firmament. But he's switched over to prompting now, so it does look like prompting actually might be running. Yeah. But no, that was um, top rank was my my only one for for, for Thursday. Although actually there is one at a bigger price who always runs well at York, and that's what's the story of Keith Dalglish. He's twenty to one, could run on for a place. Okay, so we've got the old cliche: the group horse in the handicap. Uh, <laughs> It's about time that we uh, got that one in today. Um, so moving on to Friday. Tom, have you got uh, any selections for Friday that you want to give a uh, shout out to? Yeah, I've just got the one, but there isn't actually any prices up for the race yet. So uh, as ever, it's it's always going to be very much uh, price dependent. But I, I'd be, I, I'd say ACR for Marcus Dragoning would be one of my stronger fancies of the week. I think that 10 furlongs is just going to be her absolute optimum trip. Uh, she's looked very progressive all season and uh, she's got two twos next to her name for the last two starts, which obviously isn't ideal, but there's no attitude problems or anything. She's just bumped into a couple of good horses. She bumped into a horse called B Moore at Sundown of Andrew Baldings. Uh, that was that was a handicap debut. It was only a third start. She was up against a lot more experienced horses. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a really nice run. She looked the winner most of the way, but uh, just couldn't reel her in. And then uh, on her next start, she was up to a uh, mile and a half at Goodwood. She ran a really nice race there, but she just got outstayed by a horse called Believe in Love, who uh, absolutely shit up at the weekend when she was up to uh, a mile and six furlongs. So, yeah, that, that form's really good. Um, she was two lengths behind Believe in Love, like I say, who just outstayed her. I think Believe in Love went up, was it six pounds or seven pounds? And uh, yeah, she she won by about four and a half lengths at the weekend. So I think a four pound rise for Asiaf is is going to be fine. And and she can just be a little bit free. So I, I don't think uh, I, I don't think her run style is conducive to running over twelve furlongs. So I think a drop back to ten, a stronger ten, a nice uh, nice fair track like York, uh, rather than these undulating tracks like Sandown and Goodwood. I think that's going to see her in a whole new light. And um, yeah, I, I can see her maybe opening up about seven to two, but uh, looking at the opposition, I think seven to two might be a good bet. Is that is that in the the four twenty? Yes, it is. Yeah, the yeah. Phillies ten furlong handicap. Yeah. Unfortunately, Tom, she's going to come second again. Who to? Um, so and I'm actually I'm absolutely gobsmacked that you've not uh, put this one up, Tom. Um, it's a filly called Sun Tide. Is entered in the race, and she's a C uni half sister to Midday, who's obviously a High high class ten fill on Philly back a couple of years ago. Um, she's had three runs over a mile in Novice Company, stepping up to ten fillings on handicap debut off bottom weight for Rafe Beckett. I think <laughs> I think she's going to take all the beatings on. I'm sorry. Yeah, but the the issue is that she's going to be uh, because Shamed is. Uh, I'm not sure if she'll be an intended runner, given that uh, Beckett Yard has Shamed in there. With, yeah, uh, have her, to her her up. Uh, Yeah, I think yeah. she. She's got, she, I think will she end up being a couple of pounds out of the handicap I think won't she but um, 
I don't think that matters. She's, she, she could have stones in hand, I think. She, 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 I think she could be a very smart type in time. Um, just a couple of others that I just want to make a, a mention to on the Friday. Uh, in the 145, there's also called Make My Day. He's only up £6 for a course and distance win last time. It's probably a slightly better race, but he's a well-bred four-year-old. He's very likely raced, and um, I'd suspect that the £6 rise will not be sufficient to stop him here. Um and then you do the know three... that, he, sorry, make my day's already been declared for the two-mile handicap on Wednesday. Oh, has he? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll scratch that then. <laughs> I did not. I didn't realise he was actually. I didn't. The two-mile handicap was one of the races I didn't actually look at. To be fair. <laughs> um, and then in the three-year-old mile handicap on the Friday, there's a couple that I like the look of as well. Um, one of them is Grove Ferry for Andrew Baldin, who I think I gave a mention to when he ran it on his comeback run at Lingfield. Um, the step up to a mile should suit. Um, and I think he does have the profile of a horse that's going to win a, a smart handicap this season. And also in the race, there's a horse called Cold Front, who's a very well-bred, lightly raced type for William Haggis. And he just looks to have the the ideal sort of fit um, for this type of handicap. So I, I think he could potentially take a lot of beating in that. Um, James, is there anything for you on Friday? Um, there is one. But I messed up a bit and I did have another one for Thursday or maybe a couple to, to watch out for. So just to spin back to Thursday, <laughs> the, I just thought it was worth pointing out the Phillies handicap at the end over seven furlongs. Last year's winner, excellent times, is back down <laughs> to a pound above her last winning mark. She won last year BSP of what, 848, was it? Tom, you're the, you're the is it, exchanges in your pants expert. What was it? I think it was around 6.30, 6.40. Like so she's got Phil Dennis back on board uh, and it's down to a decent mark. And also in that, I've talked about this horse on the previous podcast, Dowerween of James Bethel's. She was stepped up to 10 furlongs last time. Didn't really like that. Find an excellent looking horse in the ward scheme. The saddle slipped that day. She's back down in trip. This is probably more appropriate. Um, I, th- I think she'll go close as well. Um, so where are we? Back to Friday. Just potentially one. It's not particularly strong, but I think it's quite a good price. The 145, like Matt mentioned, uh, Glenn Cadham Glory. I think this will have been the target all season for a big York handicap on Ebor week. Um, and he's been nicely brought along without being sort of gone at too hard. And he's 25 to 1 sort of with about four firms there so I'd probably have an each way bet on him there we go nice bit of each way value to round uh, the podcast off so we're just going to do a, a best uh, a, t- a team tricksy then best bet of the week for each each person um, James do you want to go first not really <laughs> oh my <laughs> god um, of the week jeez I don't really I really like Uncle Thumb but I don't know where she if she's definitely going to go for the Lowther. Yeah, can, can we have confirmed runners or at least what well, right. ones without dual targets, please? Oh Christ! You, someone else go first. Go on, Tom. You can go first. Then. I, I'm I'll go Sabuska. Yeah, I thought you would do that. So that's a good good solid selection. I like that. Um, I better go for something on the the Wednesday then. Uh... I will probably go. Oh, see the spy catcher or um, hyperfocus. What do you think? Are you actually going to nap a horse that put an RPR of seventy on debut 
at 33 to 1, stepping up to a group three. I like that. <laughs> well, there's a reason it's entered. Ben, I mean, Carl Burke's um, nice and he knows what he's doing. He knows the time of day. Um, oh, God, this is a horrible decision. I am going to go. I'll go for hyper. Oh, it's a nap, though, isn't it? Could it be an each way, Trixie? Fuck me, Glover. I'm going out for food soon, man. Um, what? Can you go back back to Matthew? <laughs> wow. Um, and on, on that note, um, I was actually hoping you were going to take a little bit longer because I'm still <laughs> sort of the, uh, in this decision making myself. Um, I think I think we should go each way. I think I, I, I'm quite keen to go for Afre Dark in the sales race each way. Right, I'll go hyper focus each way then. Right, this if this pays off, then there might not be any more podcasts because I think uh, we'll all be going <laughs> off to holiday somewhere nice for. Honestly, Glover, oh, you, you take you take all this time thinking about your nap, but when the Premier League do it for a takeover bid, you're on Twitter telling people not to buy tag or your watchers. <laughs> you got you got to have morals somewhere, Tom. <laughs> Where you draw that line is completely up to James. <laughs> and I'll have, I'll have 25, 25 to 1, Coral, please. I focus. Not that sh- shambles of an 11 to 1 with Betfair and Paddy Power. But the argument has such a price difference on him. Right, so just clarify that's Subusco, Apre Dark, and Hyper Focus in a, in a little each way Trixie. That's what we like to hear. Right. Anyway, uh, so that's it. So thank you very much for everyone that's listened uh, all the way through. Hopefully we've provided you with a, a bit of entertainment, a little bit of offence to some people, but uh, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure people go over that uh, quickly <laughs> enough. Um, and yeah, if you've got any feedback or anything that you'd, uh, if you've enjoyed the pod and you'd like to subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on your podcast provider or give us any sort of retweets or on Twitter, it'd be greatly appreciated. So any, any feedback from Mr. Masters would be appreciated within <laughs> 17 weeks as well. <laughs> you might have to get Boris Johnson to, uh, to write to him on your behalf, unfortunately, mate. I think he's busy with the schools. Right. And then on that note, we're definitely finishing. So it's a, it's a goodbye from me. Right. Goodbye and good luck. <laughs>